Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. I hope you know where you are and you should know who this is. This is Tyler Sheff and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Guys, I hope you've had a fantastic week. I know I have. Been down here in paradise. Paradise. Can't talk today. Living life. Uh, working hard. That's for sure. Working really hard with our assisted living facilities. Getting that up and running. Bringing new, two, new team members on. Uh, out looking for additional assets to add to the equation. We're pretty excited about that. And for those of you, this is your first time ch- tuning in. Uh, we, what we do, my partner Mike and I, is we have a syndicate, a syndication running where we buy, uh, single family homes and we convert them to residential assisted living homes. And then by doing so, we can get significantly higher rent for the home. We rent these to operators and those operators then turn lease the individual bedrooms to the residents that live there. So for us, it creates a very low maintenance scenario, a very profitable scenario. And it's a feel good because we're providing housing to people when they need it most in their olden years. And uh, I got to tell you, it, does make me feel good, really feel good doing what we're doing because I love the idea that we're solving a problem. Now, with that, I want to talk about solving problems in this episode because as you guys know, you've been listening to me for a long time. And by the way, Mike is out flying this week. That's why he's not on the episode. He could make it on this week's episode. He's had a hectic schedule, but I want to talk about adding value to the communities around you. Now, it doesn't really matter whether you're wholesaling or you're a buy and hold investor or even a real estate agent. Today, I want to talk about unlocking some secrets as it relates to finding the uh, the owners of abandoned properties. As you guys know, there's a lot going on in the world right now. Inflation is at an all-time high. There's a lot of economic problems going on, not everywhere, but in a lot of markets. And even though houses are still selling for record, num- record numbers in some markets, Florida being one of them, that doesn't mean there's not great opportunity like right underneath your nose. Now, I've been doing this for, oh my God, I've lost track, 23 years, something like that. And I've invested my way uh, through several different cycles. Uh, starting, I got I started real estate back in year 2000. Uh, things were pretty good in year 2000. They were pretty great in 2004. And in 2005, they were flipping fantastic. And then everything fell apart, as you, as you heard, in 2008. And then things started to rebound pretty darn quickly. Um, in the Florida market, we really only had a lull for about two years and things started to pick up pretty fast. So much so that properties have evaluated or increased in value several hundred percent since 2008 crash, which is kind of crazy. If you think about it, in Florida, they lost about 40% of the valuation. Now that varies from market to market. Some markets were much worse, such as like Fort Myers, things like that. Uh, Fort Myers lost like 60% of their value. Pinellas County lost somewhere between 20 to 40 percent depending on what part of town you were in and then uh, key west ironically didn't drop at all it actually just stayed stagnant it just went quiet so that means in key west the five hundred thousand dollar house simply stayed a five hundred thousand dollar house for a year or so and then kept creeping up based on demand that said deals can be had in any single market doesn't matter uh, what's going on in the economy i don't care how great things are know that some homeowners having a hard time so that starts with and begins with looking for the clues, right? Things like overgrown grass, maybe a little bit of deferred maintenance. Maybe you can see tarps on roofs, especially after a hurricane. Initially, after a hurricane comes through or a bad storm, folks will come out, they'll tarp the roof. You see the blue tarps everywhere. But after it's been, you know, eight months, 12 months, that starts giving you a clue. Hey, these people don't have the money or for whatever reason are not going to fix this roof right away. 
That means maybe nobody lives in the house. It might mean maybe the people do live in the house and they just simply don't have the resources to do it. These are what we call clues, right? You got to remember here when you're going out and doing this, I want you to go out with a servant's heart. Your job is to solve problems, okay? Somebody in that house that's got the tall grass, somebody in that house that's got the tarp on their roof or the car up on blocks or the living room furniture in the front yard is having a problem. Maybe they're having a mental breakdown. Maybe they're had a experience of death and they're grieving. There could be a lot of different things going on, but know this, they're having a problem. And you can, in a lot of cases, buy their home and that money from that home may help solve their problem. It doesn't always solve the problem, but it might help somebody solve their problem. So when you do this, don't go in and think you're just going to get a great deal and screw somebody out of their house. Instead, look at it as if if you negotiate a good deal for you, make sure that you negotiate a good deal for them. Leave some meat on the bone. Uh, because you can make all the money you want and still take care of the seller at the same time if you, if you do it right. An example of that is, and I don't want to go too darn far down a rabbit hole, but sometimes it's not best to give folks all the cash up front. Maybe they have a drug problem. Um, and you might be, or they have a spending problem. Maybe they're a hoarder. So if you give them a boatload of money, a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars in cash, like say you go get a hard money loan or something like that, you may actually make their problem worse. It may exacerbate it, make it even worse. All the more reason you should be pitching seller financing on every single deal that you do. Every offer you make needs to have some provision for seller financing built in because that goes a long way towards helping homeowners. So let's jump into 10 ways you can find the information or find the owners of properties that are either neglected or abandoned. Uh, first off, we talked about looking at the property itself. Hey, there's, it's got some deferred maintenance. It needs repairs. There's, you know, trash around the property. Those folks may have a problem and maybe their tenants and maybe the owner of the home lives out of state and doesn't know what's going on. So if you reach out to the owner, you can let them know, hey, why are you calling? Well, I saw that, you know, it looks like the property needs some maintenance. Wanted to check out you and see, have you, have you ever considered selling the home? My team and I, what we do is, in my case, we buy properties, single-family homes, and we renovate them and turn them into assisted living homes for the for uh, the elderly. And maybe if the guy's having a hard time, that's a real easy out for him. Really, what's that look like? Well, basically, we buy your home, and then we lease it to an ALF owner who then leases it to the, the folks that move in. And we're looking for great houses like yours to be able to do that. You see, that's a, that's a feel good. So you go out and you find these properties that are disheveled and you start reaching out to them. That all begins. You see, you can't do that servant's heart thing until you actually reach out to them. Public records, the fastest way to, to find them. Now, when you go on Google, a lot of times there are companies out there for a fee will let you think that they are the quote unquote public records, Spokio and things like that, the paid services. I honestly wouldn't start with paid services. I'd start with what's free. Okay. Think about Google. Uh, think about all the different search engines, Yahoo, Bing, Google search the address. That is the first place I would start. The second thing I would do is go to the county that the property is located in and look up the, uh, property tax. Look, go to the property, the property appraiser's office, go to the tax collector's website. All of these different municipal websites, these government websites, have the ability, most of them anyway, that I've seen across the country, have the ability for you to search by address. So you could search the address, you can find out who owns it, or at least who's getting the tax bill. Okay? But search engines are a great resource to do that. Just keep it simple. Start with Google. Let's say you want to look up, I don't know, 
123 Anywhere Street. You go to Google and you type in 123 Anywhere Street, uh, Key West, Florida. And it will tell you, it will first pop up any real estate listings. That's usually what comes up first, like Zillow and things like that. If it's for rent or currently being offered for sale, maybe the MLS thing will pop up or maybe the real estate agent's ad will pop up. Uh, so anybody that's advertising the property or has advertised the property for any length of time, those things will generally come up at the top. Now, keep in mind, you may be looking for the owner's information, but take your time to look at what comes up on the search engines. That's called a clue, or in this case, multiple clues. Maybe you see that they've tried to sell it several times in the past. So then the, one of the questions that you want to know is, why were they trying to sell it several times in the past? Okay. This applies to apartment buildings. It applies to parking lots, to vacant land. I don't care what it is. Condos, 500 unit apartment buildings, all of, no matter what you're buying, these are the steps that you're going to use to find the owners. Okay. So if you don't, you will come up with something on search engines, but let's say, for example, I don't know, you bumped your head and you couldn't find anything on search engines. Next logical place is the neighbors. So if you're looking at properties that are in your local market service area or MSA, go door knock the neighbors, knock on their door, send them a postcard, send them a handwritten letter. Hi, Mr. Smith. My name is Tyler. I see that you live next door to 123 Anywhere Street. I'm trying to find the owner of that property. I might consider buying it and fixing it up. By any chance, do you know how to reach them? And they may say, no, never call me again. How'd you get my information, pack sand or whatever it may be? But they may say, oh, I know him. His name is George and he lives in, I don't know, Canada. And here's his phone number. Well, <laughs> that sure makes life easy. So I would ask the neighbor on each side. So if at least each side at a minimum and people across the street. Older folks tend to know who their neighbors are unless they're a recluse. Uh, but the older generation is a little more forthcoming and a little more uh, social. That's just how they lived before the Internet. So it's highly likely, especially if the neighborhood is an older neighborhood, that the neighbors know who the owner is and maybe have met them. And they can also be a wealth of information. So the next thing I would say is, hey, uh, I see the house is in disrepair. Do you have any idea what happened here? Oh, well, you know, his wife died, and after that, he was so distraught, he moved to Kansas. Oh, I see. And how long has the house been vacant, Mr. Jones? Oh, it's been vacant for probably 10 years. Oh, I see. Does he have any adult children that might be able to help him with this, or maybe I could reach out to them? You know, if the guy's having a hard time, I wouldn't want to bother him. You'd be surprised what these folks will tell you. So take the time to have a good conversation with them, and you'll learn a wealth of information. Next thing I would do is look at local newspapers. And I don't mean buying the paper from the paper box and hoping to God that something shows up in the paper. What I mean is going on, especially local newspapers, going on their webpage and seeing what options they have to search. A lot of times, especially with bigger cities, the public notices section is searchable. See if it is. First, start searching the address right on the newspaper's website. If there is a search specific search terms or a search form, see what things you can search by. You might find legal notices that were posted there before. You may find foreclosure sales, uh, all kinds of good stuff may pop up there just on the local newspaper's website. Okay. This will also usually give you dates, which is important. If you know a foreclosure was filed three months ago versus 10 years ago, that's a whole different set of problems. So don't underestimate the power of a local newspaper's website as a great repository for information. One of the greatest resources in Key West, like I'm learning a lot about Key West history. I'm a big history nerd. I love Key West history. And I just in the process of launching the Key West history podcast, one of my best resources for information on buildings and places in the city of Key West is the, the Key West citizen, which is the local newspaper that's been around since the 1800s. 
They keep an online repository of all this historical information on all the events and the places and the people throughout the city of Key West all the way back to the 1800s. It's amazing. So don't underestimate that at all. Property tax uh, collector website. I, I touched on this in the beginning, but go to the property appraiser's office or the tax collector's uh, website and see what you can glean from a search. If you're in a small town and maybe your tax collector doesn't have a website, that's possible. Go down to the tax collector. Have an I, you know, drop, bring a box of donuts with you and tell them, hey, you're trying to find the owners of these three houses and any information they could provide you that's public record, you would appreciate. It's important that you say it that way because a lot of times they don't, they don't want to maybe let the cat out of the bag and they don't know you, they don't trust you and they don't want to hurt one of the old residents in the neighborhood. So say any information you could share with me that's public record, I would greatly appreciate it. When you say it that way, they're going to be more inclined to provide the information because you're not asking them to violate anybody's privacy rights or anything like that. So it makes the recipient of that request far more likely to honor it, if that makes sense. Local government websites of all kinds. Uh, Clerk of the Circuit Court, for example, um, there's a great one. The Property Appraiser's Office. I talked about the tax collector. The Property Appraiser's Office is, uh, has usually has a website. Go into the building department. Look for previous permits. If you have the address, do a permit search. Believe it or not, you can actually, and I've done this several times, do a permit search. Look for permits that were on the property, even ones that were closed out. Usually, at least in a lot of places in Florida anyway, the name of the contractor, their information is there if they had a contractor do the work. So look up John's Plumbing in Walla Walla, Washington, and then call John's Plumbing and say, Hey, John, my name's Tyler. I'm trying to buy this house. You did some work on it a long time, long time ago. I want to buy and renovate this house. So I'm calling one because I'd like to hire you potentially to come back and do the work. But two, I haven't been able to buy the house yet because I can't get a hold of the owner. By any chance that you have their contact information in your records, you'd be surprised how many times the contractor will share this information with you. Or if they know them, they may call them for you if they're not comfortable giving out the information and share your information with them. If they don't offer it, suggest it. John, I really want to reach out to them because I think I can help. Would you do possibly consider doing me and, of course, the seller a favor? Could you? I know you're not comfortable giving me their information, but would you call them and let them know that I'd really like to talk to them about selling their home and uh, give them my number? And if they don't call, that's fine. But I really, I think, really think I could help them. You'd be surprised how many people will capitulate and allow that to happen. Real estate agents. Now, that said, guys, don't call me with all these addresses all over the country asking me to look them up for you because I'm not going to. But if you, if we know each other, we have a relationship and you want me to help, you want my help looking at a particular property, uh, we may take that on for you, especially if you're a good, loyal customer. I will do that. I have investor clients that I've either sold property for or sold property to. And sometimes they want to spend the time reaching out to see if they can find a seller of a home. These people I know when push comes to shove, they're going to bring me in to help get the transaction closed. So they're going to take care of me and I'm going to help them find the right people. I'll even offer. I have clients that say, Hey, Tyler, I want to buy that one, two, three, anywhere street. Any chance you have the time to reach out to the seller? Hey, John, no problem. Let me send some mail out to him and see what I can come up with. I have some templates and form letters that I've been worked on. I've worked on for years for this purpose. And I will send on behalf of my client direct mail. I'll let them know that I am a realtor, but they don't have to pay the real estate commission because the seller or the buyer will pay it and yada, yada, yada. And that goes a long way towards getting people to call us back. Okay. Uh, private investigators, if you really sit on a good deal for a fee, you can hire a property private investigator. It's been my experience because I've looked into them. They're not cheap, 
But that said, they're not expensive either. You know, if you're sitting on a deal where you're going to make a hundred grand, is it worth spending $1,500 to get a hold of the owner? If all else fails and that's the only avenue you have, then maybe it's worth it. Okay. Network again is another great resource. If you go to your local real estate meetings or maybe you're part of Toastmasters and you know a good group of people, maybe a neighborhood association or something like that, you'd be surprised what you can find by going to the local neighborhood association. Maybe they have block parties. Heck, go to the block party. I don't know. Bring a cut up watermelon and a bottle of rum and I bet you you'll get all kinds of information. Get creative, guys. Go on Facebook, look for online forums or community boards that are tied to a particular area to see what you can come up with. You'll be surprised. Go in there, search the address, search their name. You might be able to track down the owner. Heck, you might even get a good story about what's going on there. It's something you can use uh, to, to get, get this hammered out and get to work, putting offers in place. Title companies. Now, with this said, don't just call a title company that you don't have a relationship with and ask them to do stuff for you for free because they're going to be nice. They're not going to want to be mean, but come on, guys, that's not really fair. Instead, maybe you send a couple pizzas over there on a Friday, call the owner of the title company and say, boy, you know, I'd really like to do my closings through you and I could use a little bit of information before I do that. Here's what I'd like to do is how about I send a couple pizzas over there next Friday for your office staff and I'd like to come over and meet you guys, shake hands, get to know each other and let's see if we can do business in the future. Very rarely are you going to be turned down because title people love pizza. Okay. Uh, build that relationship and then reach out to them and say, Hey, I'm trying to, I found this property. I'm trying to reach the lender. I'm trying to reach the seller, right? Find out what the title company offers. Find out if they're investor friendly. This is a great way to get your foot in the door. Okay. Have them explain to you how the title closing fees work. Ask them, what can I do as a buyer or seller to make your job easier title company? What can I do with my paperwork when I bring you a contract, a purchase contract? What else do you need to be successful as my title agent? Ask these questions. And at the same time, say, hey, have you had any properties like come up for, for distress lately? Or how would I get a list of properties that are maybe in trouble? I'm looking to find out who hasn't paid their taxes, property taxes. Do you have the ability to pull a list of those properties for me? And I don't know, zip code 33040. The answer is probably going to be yes. They can pull that for you. And you'll be shocked at the accuracy of the information they can provide. After all, what does a title company do for a living? They do title searches. Their job is to look for liens and encumbrances and problems on properties. So building a rapport with a title company can go a long way towards getting you helped out, getting you squared away, and getting in front of sellers. Okay. So to summarize, just want I want to recap that real quick. We're gonna, we start with, you know, why is it important going into public records? Don't underestimate the power of public records. Most of the searches that I do, I could say. 99% of the searches I do, I don't spend one red cent and I can find out a mind blowing amount of information free in a very few minutes. Uh, neighbors, speak to the neighbors, local newspapers, their websites, almost all of them are searchable. If they don't have a website or their website is not searchable, maybe they're a small hometown newspaper, get in the car, jump on your bike, walk down the street, go talk to somebody at the newspaper, see if they have, maybe they have an in-house database that's just not online. Maybe they're out in Podunk somewhere and they don't understand that they should put something like that online or want to put their you know, the resources to put it online. Property tax bills, property appraisers website, tax collector, local government websites, real estate agents and brokers, private investigators, networking, and lastly, 
title companies. Guys, this begins your whole real estate investment career. You, you're tired of things being quote unquote overpriced. Well, the way to avoid that is to get direct with the seller, cut everybody else out and get direct with the seller, solve problems. First of all, you can't solve a problem if you can't find a problem to solve. And this is by far one of the best ways to do it. Wouldn't it be great to be sitting at a negotiating table, just you and the seller, no real estate brokers, no wholesalers, none, none of that, no competition. You could just sit down have a great conversation and solve their problems and then buy that house or buy that apartment building or buy that, that uh, parking lot. Guys, I hope you found some value in this. I hope to catch up with you next week right here at the same place, same time. And uh, as always, if you have any need any information, you want to reach out to us, you can do that by going to cashflowguys.com. See you next time. Have a great week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashFlowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.